mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. Episode 34, and we are super excited to talk about the book Math Recess that we have read. Um, before we get started, though, we have a confession to make, and that is that we recorded episode 32, and it has been lost forever. <laughs> um, you know how those things happen. You think you have it somewhere, and then you it's really on this memory card, and you clean that memory card, and it's just gone, guys. So um, there were such good things in Math Recess that we talked about in episode 32 that we couldn't just let it go. So we are sort of trying to redo the episode. We're adding some new things, um, that kind of thing. So anyway, if you got confused and you're like, why is there no 32? Well, it's just gone. So this or- is kind of like the Grover Cleveland of our episodes. Ooh, tell us about that. Because Grover Cleveland was their only president that served two non-consecutive terms. Oh. He served one term, there was another guy, and then he came back as president. So Math Recess had one podcast that nobody got to hear. Yeah. We had a guest, and then we're back with Math Recess for awesome. a second. Probably nothing like Grover Cleveland. Really want to think well, about it. Well, you just <laughs> wanted to show off your history knowledge. It's yeah. okay. It's the first thing that came to mind. I, I like that, that about really you. that was really good that you said, tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah. That was, did I you see no that teacher move there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, before we start, we just want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. Um, Lenny Vermas has been um, commenting and sharing our podcast regularly, and we just are really thankful for the encouragement and for him getting the word out there. He also has a great website where he has kind of curated – I don't know if it it might be a Google Doc. I'm not really sure. But I've been to his site before where he has curated tons of resources. Um, There was one particular time – this was months and months and months ago – where I was looking for maybe something about warm-ups or puzzles or tasks or something and and his site got shared and I just found a treasure a trove of things there so we will put his um his site in the show notes and check it out because he's really collected a lot of good stuff there that's awesome and also our we got some really nice just in the last two months comments on apple podcast teachers who have found us Mm -hmm. and are impressed with I don't know. I guess just the realness that we are as teachers, like we're in the trenches with you yeah. and the resources we provide in the show notes. Yeah. So thank you for And this is a good time commenting. to say, um, if you do, the more comments that are left on Apple Podcasts, whether you leave a comment, I mean, it doesn't have to be a good one. You know, we like it when it's a good one, but <laughs> leaving a comment and, and leaving a rating, the more that our listeners do that, the more we show up in searches and yeah. of people that are they're looking for podcasts, um, you know, it, just having that interaction and that activity on the podcast m- will help others see it when they're looking. Awesome. That's an algorithm out there for you. Yeah. So right. <laughs> we appreciate that. All right. So we're going to talk about Math Recess, and it is a book that has been uh, t- a hot topic on the Twitters, right? Oh, Recent yeah. Hashtag... Math recess, I math, think. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking. Or math it, recess chat, maybe? Yes. Hashtag yeah. math recess chat. Yeah. Um, there's like a slow chat going on all summer where, you know, there there's a, like talking about a chapter and another chapter each week. kind of. So thing. for those of us that are not Twitch aficionados, yeah. a slow chat, does that mean it's not held at a certain hour on a Tuesday evening? Exactly. It's just an ongoing discussion topic? Exactly. Okay. And so you can like post a question and then... 
um, or the the moderator would post a question and then you answer it whenever you want to. A, a regular tr- chat is like we're going to do it within 30 minutes and it's fast and furious and you barely keep up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but a slow chat is just that. It's slow. Anyway, this book is by Sunil Singh and Christopher Brunel. Air Brownell. Sorry if I said that wrong. Um, but we, you know, just kept seeing it and had to get in on it and, and see what it was all about. So to kind of give you a the big – there's a lot of big ideas in this book, right? It's right. definitely a big idea book. But I think if I had to summarize it, one of the big ideas is that we want to make math more like recess. And so then they kind of carry that metaphor through, like, what do we know about recess? Well, how can math be that way and this way and this way? So that is that – would you summarize the, the whole book in that way? Yes. Okay. So before we go any further, let's talk about um, – so we can make some connections ourselves. Um, how was recess for you guys? What do you remember about recess as a kid? You want to go first, Ruth? So I'm probably not the best person to ask about recess and fun because I was – not good at recess. How, how I was the last recess? person who was picked for kickball. Oh, and gotcha. when everyone is playing kickball, you don't just say, I don't want to play because then people watch you not play. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the days when kickball wasn't allowed. Like there were a couple days where you just had to do free play. But on kickball days, I would always ask the teacher if I could stay inside and help her grade papers or <laughs> help yeah. her organize her file cabinet yeah. or something. And Clean I remember having teachers who got it. Mm-hmm. So recess was still fun for me Yeah, on those days when the teacher let me do what I liked instead of go outside and not play kickball. Now, since then, because I've run you've become super competitive i'm super competitive now she's really good at kickball y'all. But it's not even about being good at kickball it's just about not caring you know i don't know it's yeah. just different i'm just older and more mature you need to know that ruth is ruthless on field day <laughs> like she is gonna win at all cost you yeah but that's only cheering students on to win at all cost mm, mm, uh, there mm-hmm. may have been a race or two <laughs> when my colleague was pregnant and i was like whatever we're racing <laughs> These kids want to see us race. Oh, man. All right. So the so the one thing I could take away from your story is choice was important for oh, yeah. you. You know, at your recess, that was a good part of it for you. All right. How about you, JJ? What do I remember about recess? Yeah. Um, I went to a different school starting in fourth grade, for fourth and fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I remember recess was just like open playtime. There was – I don't remember organized kickball or, you know, there may have been like – a dodgeball or a four square or something like that. But I don't remember anything organized outside of like PE class. When mm-hmm. we were on recess, it was just running around and jumping on monkey bars or, you know, seesaws or just craziness. Yeah. Ooh, um, we even did merry-go-rounds. Wow. I don't see those on the playground anymore, yeah, but we had fun. a merry-go-round. Yeah, I don't think we had one of those. We did have, we definitely had seesaws and some other dangerous things, but not merry-go-rounds. <laughs> um, and then when I, when I changed school in fifth grade and fourth grade, it was all about the kickball. Now, I liked kickball, but I didn't love it like, you know, I don't know if these kids came from, you know, kickball schools where they were all about kickball. But I, it was fun, but I didn't enjoy it so much. But we did I, – I, we played a lot of it. But I also remember um, playing football with the with the uh, uh, other classes uh, that were there. They weren't part of our class, and for a while we didn't know if we could go and – 
have recreation with the other classes then. Yeah. But we it turned out we could. And so me and, a, and another friend were the first two and then a few others, I think, joined us. But we would go and play football. And that was like way better than than kickball or four yeah. square or the other games that air classes were playing. We were playing football and loving it. Cool. So what I hear you saying, I'm using my mentoring language. <laughs> is it too obvious? <laughs> so what I hear you saying is that you made connections through recess with people that you probably your those other classes you weren't yeah. normally socializing with. Mm-hmm. And so Mr. Fo- Davis was the teacher's name. I still remember oh, that. Oh, cool. So football was a way to and recess was a way to connect and potentially math could be that way, maybe, right? Yeah. Help people connect. Um, my memory of recess was just freedom. We had a, I feel like it was a huge playground. Um, there was like the football area and the blacktop area, no, not football, um, was that kickball and then the big playground and then this huge other field with the woods over there and you could like play right on the edge of the woods, you know, it was just, it was so free and you could just do whatever you wanted. So I liked that about it. So. I, I I am curious about how that could happen in the classroom, too, with math. So we want to um, share some of the, like, just ideas in here that are cool. You know, that one of the ways you can walk away from this book is being like, oh, there are interesting problems or tasks or puzzles or games that you could use tomorrow in, in this book. Um, it's kind of cool how they have woven like here's a math problem in with the the bigger story that they're trying to tell with the book. So, do you want to share a favorite, Ruth? Yes. So, we made some notes. She's like having to hold it out. You want to share this favorite right here, in, written down, <laughs> five feet in front of her face okay. to read them. So, the Tracy and I are reading this book simultaneously, but we're not talking about it until we get to the table. Yeah, and we're like. Oh, what did you think about this? And one of the games that intrigued both of us was Sprouts. Yeah. Which was the circle where you draw the diameter and you connect the dots. And for me, what this book did really well is told you about the game, gave you a QR code so you could scan it and see the game or watch a video of it, Mm -hmm. and also gave you a reference. So in our show notes, we'll give you that reference link. Um, and then tell you what page that you can read about it in your book. But yeah, Sprouts is here. And there was a lot of times where I was like, yeah, this is really a good use of class time to play this game. It's listed in this book. And that's really what Math Recess is about. Because, I mean, let's face it, sometimes you just feel like this is just a game. I don't have time to just let them play a game. Mm-hmm. But you have to get to the point where you understand the value of it yeah and you're making them better mathematicians and if they can spend that much time thinking about a strategy to be successful in a game they're willing to spend the time to think about solving a problem that you provide for them too so I I think it was confirmation for me that we're we're on the right path because we're trying to provide those opportunities for students to to play. Yeah. And and like you're saying, it's it it will build persistence that will affect them in other places. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean there are lots of these where if you were if you were thoughtful about it, you could connect it to your pacing guide or what your you know, there's tons of prime number talk in in the book. You could connect it to the math 
But it's also okay to just do it because it's fun and because you build their confidence and persistence as a as a problem solver. Yeah. yeah. I liked um, – Another one was they talked a lot about exploding dots, and I don't think we've ever talked about exploding dots on the podcast. This is getting confusing because we've talked about it once in episode lost episode 32, <laughs> so we're getting all mixed up here. But um, so exploding dots is, it like is pop rocks. Yes, it's okay. exactly like that. <laughs> no, I like this. Yeah, um, exploding dots. I first heard about it several years ago when I kept seeing um, something about Global Math Day. Isn't that what it's called? Global Math Day, mm. I think. And it's by James Tanton, and he um, came up with this way to almost understand different bases in a very concrete way. We're talking about like base two, base five, base ten, that kind of thing, which is something that I'm sure I learned once in high school or college and then promptly forgot. And, um, but you did teach me on a run. Yeah. Because in my, in my (laughs) first set of math classes I was taking, we talked about that and it was like mind blowing, right? It was mind blowing for me. I was like, I don't remember ever learning this. I don't, I don't remember ever learning it until college. I had a course where I had to learn it, a math class in college where they taught us, but it was, I never remember learning it in, before that. I love it. I think it's really exciting. So I've taught you on a run, but then mm-hmm. this guy, James Tanton, came up with a way to do it concretely and or visually. Um, and I'm not going to try to explain it because he does a beautiful job doing it. Um, but he has a whole series of completely 100% free like videos and lessons that you go through on his on his website. Um, and they are, you know, can be self-paced. The teacher, honestly, you know, it's not like you're going to have to be an expert on it. He's laid it out so well that, I mean, you should probably go through it once before. <laughs> Didn't yeah. you not do that one time? Um, but you should probably go through it once before. Yeah. And, but then they, they're going to get it. Your kids are going to get it. I did it with fourth graders and um, they were understanding different bases. But the beauty of that is that then all of a sudden base 10 which we work in is has so much more meaning. Like right. all all these things that we do in in our algorithms, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know why we're regrouping into the tens place because you're doing the same thing in all the other bases. So it's beautiful. And he talks a lot about they talk a lot about that in this book. And so I would encourage you to read that part. And, and that's exploding dots. Exploding mm-hmm. dots, yeah. And that comes from the idea of like if you have a um a tally or a dot. Let's go with a dot. If you have a dot in the tens place, you can explode it. Is that is it work that way that you would explode it down into be ten ones, or does it the other way around that you take ten? Maybe it's either way. But just that whole idea of regrouping. It's a, it's a word for like regrouping or breaking apart. Um, cool. It's been a long time since I've done it, but and there's but like sound James effects. Stan does a really good job. Yeah. So if you listen to him instead they of like pew, pew, there's sound effects with it. It's awesome. Yeah. So check that out. Um Albert's insomnia. Were you ready to talk about that? I was one? getting ready to talk about okay. that. It's on um, page one twenty six and one twenty seven. And the author talks about playing this at a bar, which <laughs> I just think is totally awesome. <laughs> because Albert's insomnia is really a low floor, high ceiling. Anybody can play, whether it's, 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 it's kind of like Zeus on the loose as far as its attractability for who can play. Okay. You can play as a family with a small child up to adults, or you mm-hmm. can play just a room full of adults. Yeah. Um, 
You got it at a yard sale, right? Or and it was in your classroom. I got it at a yard sale and it was in my classroom for three years because I never opened the box. <laughs> and then I decided one day without playing it, kind of like you just called me out on yep. <laughs> Like, I wonder what this is for because it says on the back order of operations. Okay. And so I used it as an introduction to order of operations, fully intending to put the cards on their desk and let them play once or twice and then teach because mm-hmm. that's what we do. Mm-hmm. It was the whole hour. And they did so many order of operations problems and higher level thinking. And I I just switched it up. We played it for three days. Wow. And the last day. And we day, never fell asleep. Yeah. The last day. So I had teams of four and you draw four cards and you put them in the middle of the table and you have to make every equation. You have to make an equation that equals one and make an equation that equals two and three. Okay. And you have to do it consecutively. Okay. So – I would do it and then I would blow a whistle and you would have to take your whole entire team to the next table and look at their numbers and pick up where they left off. And everyone's using different colors. So then you get to see who, which team got the most, but you also get to see there's this one table that made it to two and there was no team that could make it figure out to three. So we left that. Like, this is the challenge problem of the day. Cool. Um, I like that. So it was, it's such a great game. Such a great game. Yeah. And you made me think of you, what you said about you thought you were going to just do it for a few minutes and then teach and how so much more came out of that. That's how I felt about accounting collections. Like, it comes, starts really, really simple. And we have a whole episode about that where it started super simple and then so much math came out of the play that was counting collections or that was this game like that's that's just the one of the great values of kind of having opening things up a little bit and letting it be more about play less about like what's... which means letting go yeah of the teacher role where you're completely in control of Yikes. what they're going to learn mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's a scary thing for a teacher when you're held accountable for what they're what they're going to learn. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, I don't want people to think that's every single day. Right. I mean, it, oh, right. There, there's, there's time for, I got asked this question before when I did my, my PD on tasks, you know, do you do a task every single day? No, there's time for the task. And then there's a time where you need to like make the connections and cement. And then there's a time where you need to practice and there's time where you need to assess. And, you know, you can bounce back and forth between all of that, but I feel like the kind of instruction that we're working towards is the big part of it is in the play and the tasks, you know, and less well, and, and less we've in talked the other. about it, how some kids really benefit from just the additional practice. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do a task and you can reach a majority of your class, but there comes a point and having taught summer school. There comes a point where the student needs to know which algorithm it is and mm-hmm. what are they supposed to do with that algorithm. And so I'm always referencing back to the task and to the yeah. play, helping them make those connections. But, yeah, they need, they need that shared experience. But then sometimes some students are going to need the you to connect the A, B, and C more concretely. Yeah. Um, you said, that, Ruth, there was a riddle on page 41 or 43 that you wanted to talk about. It was things about prime numbers. You wanted to point that one out. Um, okay. So my favorite part of this riddle is that the answer is on page 43. <laughs> <laughs> but 
he says, imagine that you imagine that at a talk you write a colossally large number on the board. Then you number all of the attendees from one to two hundred and ask each of them in turn whether your huge number is divisible by their number. So attendee number 153 has to answer whether your number is divisible by 153 and so on for all 200 people in the audience. Man, that person is out of luck. <laughs> Suppose further that everyone answers yes and that in fact only two people get the question wrong. If those two people are adjacent, then what are their numbers? Yeah, I'm remembering that. Yeah. We won't say the answer. We'll let you figure it out. Right. But the whole okay, idea. Because I was right about to blurt it out. <laughs> yeah. I was, it was on the tip of my tongue. I'm glad you stopped me. So prime factorization yeah. helps them figure that out. And for me, as a sixth grade teacher, prime factorization is something that I teach. And what we were just talking about, some kids just need practice because mm-hmm. some kids are really good mental math students and can divide any number in half Mm -hmm. or divide it in thirds and they can quickly get to the prime factorization others aren't so this is something that you present as a task for those students who need something a little bit more advanced this isn't necessarily supposed to finish that I could start that right now, and I wouldn't be done by next week when we record the next podcast. <laughs> there's like a, a shortcut. Yeah, there's that, a pattern that you would find. Okay. Yeah. You would find it. Or, or you know, maybe, yeah, yeah. we won't give too much away. Yeah, don't give it away because <laughs> you're going to work on it. It won't be nearly as fun when I work on it. <laughs> right. Um, oh, what was I going to so, say? My point is resources like this, because yeah. some days you go into – Prime factorization. Do I teach it again? Yeah. Where do I go with this? I remember teaching my son, who's 22 now, in sixth grade, and him coming home and was like, Mom, how many more days are you going to teach fractions? And I was a different teacher then. Yeah. But I was teaching until the majority of the class had it, and they didn't. But he did. Yeah. And some of his friends did. And I wasn't doing a good job of reaching everyone. Right. And that just kind of comes in my mind, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're trying to figure out what to do next. So let me say that that task might not be the right one to give, but the book is full of. Oh, right. I don't think that's a task for the whole for the whole group. I think that's a task (laughs) for the students who get it and the students who you say, if you get it and you can, you know, you've done it for this many days, then I want you to try this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. Let's talk about who we think this book is good for. Like, who would we recommend this book to? So my first thought is teachers who teachers who still need to be convinced that the way they learned math may not be the best way to teach math. Mm-hmm. Teachers who have taught the same material the same way. And yeah, so I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about a conversation I had with myself when I started teaching 24 years ago that went something like, if I am ever grumpy, like the teacher next door, I want someone to tell me to quit. Yeah. I don't want to get myself in a rut where I just, do the same lesson plans and use the same PowerPoints and not 
listen to what is out there. And it's really easy to teach the same grade all those years and just do the same thing. Mm -hmm. This is how I've taught types of triangles for 22 years. So I'm going to type, teach it like that again. Yeah. And standing up there and saying, today I'm going to tell you that there are three types of triangles when you classify them by their angles and telling them. Yeah. There's just so many different ways to do it. And this is going to give you um, proof. I think they've done a lot of research and why it works. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to give you some things that you could do in your classroom. Yeah. Now we just have to convince the teacher in the room next door to those teachers to explain to them why this is a good book. Because a lot of those teachers are not going to be, hmm, you know, I've been doing this for 22 years. I'm ready for a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're ready to do it, you know, eight more years and. Yeah, I think I think also this book is good for um, teachers who are ready, already ready to make a change. And it's going to give you some concrete ways, some tasks you can do, some some additional new puzzles and challenges and things you've never games you've never seen before. There was a great list of games in in that book um, with a lot of ones that we'd never seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, But also. You know, here we are trying to do something different. Our classrooms don't necessarily look like, you know, all the other classrooms down the hall. And in walks your administrator and they're like, what the heck is going on here? You know, this looks a little out of control or this <laughs> doesn't exactly match the where you're supposed to be in the pacing guide. Looks and, a little wild in here. Yeah. And this can kind of be your like – Either you can share it with your principal or you can say, look, this is where some of my ideas are coming from. And it can kind of help you articulate what you're doing when you're trying to make a change. I feel like this book is, yes, it's applicable to the classroom. There's lots of different levels of tasks um, and, you know, ways to play with math. But it also is calling for a much bigger change to our system, you know, and um, it's going to be a long time before – we grade differently and, and everybody's math is organized in task-based instruction instead of just like pacing guide and standards, you know, um, it kind of casts a vision for that, but we also have to like live within our reality. Well, and you read this book and you're like, who I'm going to change the world. We're not going to have grades in my class because there's a whole chapter on onions and they should be the only ones that get grades, not, yeah. Students and some of that stuff, you just feel like your hands are tied and you can't do it. And so you might have the tendency to be like, well, whenever the education system changes, I'll be ready to go. Right. When in reality, you just have to do what you can, what you're in control of Um, and be encouraged that there are a lot of us who feel that are in that same position. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would encourage administrators to read this people that aren't in the classroom every day and don't necessarily need to have access to task to use, but need to understand how sometimes the people who are higher up tie the hands of the teachers who really have that desire for the child, for the child to learn. Yeah. That's good. So all that to say, uh, it's good for a lot of different people. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So I want to talk about takeaways, and I kind of already know what my takeaway is, and um, that'll lead us to the where, how we're going to end. So we won't actually end with takeaways. Is that okay with everybody? I'm going to be okay with that. I'm not sure I can handle that. Yeah, well, you just have to get over it. Okay. Um, so I'll go first. Hey, Tracy, <laughs> so, do you have a takeaway? I do, for yes. My takeaway was, um, you, you know, their conversations about them wrestling with problems and puzzles and challenges made me realize I need to do that too. I need to be not only having my kids play with math, but I need to not shy away from opportunities to do math. You know, that's challenging to me and interesting. So you should not shy away from solving that problem that I read to you. That's Tracy's takeaway. This is, this take is Tracy's takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you an idea that I had that you heard it here first on Math Before Breakfast? Um, we were we were at the Virginia Council Teachers of Mathematics board meeting, and we were trying to think about ways to engage. Our Jay knows what's coming. No, I'm just thinking was, that is a, a group of party people, right? There. <laughs> Our party people. Shut up. <laughs> Anyway, um, it's funny when I know it's coming. Um, we were trying to think of ways to like get more members and keep people engaged. And so we're throwing around lots of ideas. And I said this idea that I've been hearing a lot of like teachers need to do math too. And I've been seeing some ideas on on some examples on Twitter where people where teachers just get together and do math. And so we were like throwing it around. Guess what we landed on? Tacos and tasks. Did I tell you about that already? <laughs> you did not. <laughs> So Jay's like giving me the nerd look over here. <laughs> I had forgotten. But, but, but I, I think it. it would be really fun um, to, you know, put out the call that, you know, we're going to teachers are going to meet at a taco restaurant and we're going to have one task where we over dinner puzzle through this thing and then kind of end it real fast with, you know, here are some tasks, some similar tasks you could do in your classroom leveled maybe, um, but just get teachers together doing math that's a lot cooler than i was expecting i told you come on <laughs> so tacos and task it's coming it's gonna happen it's coming to okay. a taqueria near you yeah taqueria okay so that's pretty awesome do you have a takeaway um do i have a takeaway or you can wait if you want to. So this is my takeaway. As I'm flipping through this book again i really need to go back and mark the pages of the task that I can use with a little flag out to the side that mm. tells me when to use that task. Yeah. Because one unfortunate thing about it is that it doesn't have an appendix. And so I can't mm. just look in the back and say prime or factorization in- and go to that. Pa- an index? Yeah. What did in- I say? Appendix. appendix. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Or index. a gallbladder. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> so sidetracked. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a great point. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Okay. So that's my takeaway. Yeah. Something else on my to-do list after I finish painting kitchen cabinets and <laughs> sanding yeah. the rest of the walls in the yeah. house. Plenty to do on the beach. Okay. Do you have a takeaway? <laughs> Besides, you don't want to do that math problem Ruth mentioned. <laughs> I was thinking of, of while that one task does not excite me like recess, um, there are plenty of puzzles or, you know, maybe not blatantly mathematic things, but puzzles and and almost like um, escape room activities that Ooh, yeah. that to me are exciting like a recess that are not, you know, find which two consecutive. But not, anyway, that is really important that we call those things math. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, and, and we could they I think they often don't they don't get called math Ooh, when they yeah. really are. Yeah. Um, 
And that's something that would excite me. I was sitting here trying to think, how could math excite me as much as, you know, some of these things? And that's, and that's how it would be, you know, some sort of puzzle or, you know, like I said, some little task that you would find in an escape room and just make, here we go, making the implicit math explicit yeah. on an activity like this yeah. um, and, and showing people it's math and showing the, the, something they already think is fun. That's awesome. We should mention that Jay Prophet has created several, several really cool escape rooms. He's really good at it, which is which is a mathematical task in of itself, you know, creating and like thinking about the order of things. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's you're good at that. Well, thank you. OK, so we have 10 minutes before you have to go to work, Ruth. Um, this is not before breakfast. This is right before dinner. Um, but we are going to. I'm hoping now do some math together. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Okay, so you're helping me with my homework, okay? I am in the um, statistics and probability class, last two classes of my math specialist degree, and we've been doing statistics the last two weeks, and we just started the probability section. And so we have all these different tasks that we have to do, and then we're going to go back and talk about them in class on Monday. So um, the one that I'd like us to do together, thank you for helping me with my homework, is tiles in a bag. And we are supposed to put 10 tiles of two different colors that or that, that t- two different colors that total up to 10 in a bag. And so I asked Adelie, my daughter, to do that for us. And we each have the same bag. They, like we each have the same – our bags are reproductions of each other. That was a fancy word. Um And we're supposed to draw, put our hand in and draw on a tile, record what color it is, and then put it back in. And then we're going to do it and put it back in, do it and put it back in 10 times. Get your your record of what you pull down. So maybe we'll pull out like three blue and seven yellow. And then we're supposed to see if we can guess what tiles are in the bag based on what we're pulling out. So you can't look in the bag. Um, And we want to keep doing it in groups of 10 until we feel confident that we know what's in the bag. What questions do you have? Are you going to explain these directions again once I have my bag? Sure. Okay, good. Because explaining them again right now won't do me any good. Okay. All right. So let me give you the bags. Don't look in the bag. That's the most important thing. Okay. I want the leopard pink I'll one. Say, I want the pink cheetah print. Oh, okay, here. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. So everybody's got something to write with, right? Yes. Okay. We're going to record. I don't even know what color's in the bag. So we're going to record what we pull out on our own. So pull out something. I got red. How many tiles in this bad boy? There are 10. And we put it back in each time. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to record, Tally, that you got one red, or whatever color you got. Yeah. Yeah, I got that part. Okay. Just helping you out there, dude. So I put it back in? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then... So if I pick this same stupid link out that's ten your own, times. That's your own darn fault. Okay. <laughs> Shuffle them up there, buddy. This is going to be some great listening while we're hearing okay. everybody um, wrinkle, ruffle wrinkle, their wrinkle, bag. Wrinkle, wrinkle. <laughs> and you said our daughter did this? Yep. And they have the same makeup? All, mm-hmm. all of our bags are the same as each other. Okay. I'll take this time to mention a great podcast I heard this week. Um, Conan O'Brien has one called Conan, ne- Conan Needs a Friend. And he had, um, I'm stalling so I can get to 10. He had Michelle Obama on the podcast, and I just love her, and it was just delightful. So go listen, look for that episode. Also, he had Lynn Manuel Miranda on there. Those are the Man, it's like your Lynn, two heroes. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh, Ruth. Oh, I'll Ruth. fill you in later. <laughs> 
eight, okay. nine. I got one more. We're slow at this, JJ. Well, I got. Okay. It's not exactly very. Okay. Convenient. All right, I'm done. I should have filled a smaller bag. All right. So, are we gonna do it again, or are we gonna share what we got? So, if we well, have the same bags, and I just pulled ten of these things out, and everybody just pulled ten of these things out, how are we not gonna get the same thing? How are we not gonna get the same thing? Because probability, your theoretical probability, doesn't always match your experimental probability. As in, well, that was a good look. As in, we could know what it's supposed to be. But it might not turn out that way in a, in real life. But I picked up every one of these things. I picked it up out of the bag, and then I put it back on the other side of the bag so that I was pulling from a different pile inside the bag. Cheater! <laughs> you said I couldn't look in the bag. You can't but, look in the bag, but you might pull the same one out. You I didn't because I made sure I didn't. Oh, man. Okay, well, well, don't then, tell us then what Then you, you can't got. give us oh, your data. two of us can play. <laughs> You're that kid. Hey, if, if you're gonna make rules, you gotta tell the rules to the players. Oh, okay. I'm not. I may have messed something up. Okay. Well, we don't. So, are you confident yet enough? Are you? We probably shouldn't say because we kind of need to do it based on ten. All right. Well, 10. I'll do it again because I may have messed it up. Okay. I, I, so do it again, completely random. Okay. 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 So we're gonna do it one more time, or should we just pause the podcast yes. and let Jay do it, and then we'll come right back? Okay. Okay. So we're back. And Jay's, back, Jay's done it. <laughs> it was exciting. Yes. Thrilling. <laughs> yes. Jay's done it once correctly, let's hope. And I, Ruth and I have both done it twice in that time. Wait, so, we've done it twice correctly. Correctly, yes. So <laughs> I still don't have enough information to, to know what's in the back. So I, I'm pretty close. Like I could make – I. Based on my experimental probability, mm-hmm. I could make a guess about what the theoretical probability should be, okay. and I would be pretty close. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and share our experimental probability. Okay. okay. So we'll say red and then yellow. Okay. okay. So my first one, I got nine red, one yellow, and my second one, five red, five yellow. What the heck? All right. Jay, what'd you get? Six red, four yellow. Ruth, what'd you get? So I got five red, five yellow, and then six red, four yellow. Oh. So my first one really led me to believe that there were a lot more reds than yellow. But now it's like they're probably pretty close because mm-hmm. everything everything else was five and five or six and four. And I will say that first time when you when you told me I cheated when I didn't think I was cheating, um, I reached in there and my ninth time there was not – one more to get on the side where I thought all the ones were that I hadn't looked at yet. Mm-hmm. So it's possible I was one off okay. the first time. Like yeah. I had tried to place them on different sides of the back because I didn't realize I was cheating because yeah. I didn't know what we were trying yeah. to do. So Ruth only has two more minutes till we have to go. So we have to think about what are the best questions to ask at this point. Are we confident that we know what's in the bag? absolute or with in yeah one. like well i'm gonna go back to it says ask your question again um can you predict what is in the bag it says how many times do you need to how many times do you need to repeat the process to make a prediction with confidence about what is in the bag so it's not with certainty but with confidence so we are looking at five of those five times, I think if we did it 10 
times. I don't know if it's because there's 10 chips in the bag, but I feel like we could be more confident. Right now, I don't feel confident whether I'm going to say five to five or six to four. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Well, but however, the nine to one makes me feel like that was wrong. The six to four would be. Yeah, that, that maybe there were more reds. You know, that one outlier. Yeah. It's, I'm kind of like thinking of the mean, really, you know? Right. Um, so let's go. But looking that. at yours, but if you look at all of ours, your nine to one is definitely the outlier. Right. And so maybe you shouldn't even consider it because right. it's an outlier. That's what I think. Look at us wrapping in some statistics vocabulary into our probability conversation. Boom. Okay. Let's, <laughs> I'm going to go with six to four. That's okay. my guess. What are you going for? I'm yep. going for that. Too. Okay. Let's dump it out. Yep. Look at that. Two. Six and four. Yeah. So it took us. Wait a second. Who got six and four both times? Oh, wait. That was me. Did you? I thought you got five and five and six and four. That was Ruth. Well, because you cheated one time. No. And... <laughs> All right. Nice job, Jay. You, so you you should feel excited because your experimental probability matched your theoretical probability. Boom. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been good. You want to join me on a 13-mile run tomorrow, Ruth? No. I think that's a no look. <laughs> that thing is loud. <laughs> Don't worry about it. All right. That's a no? Okay. That's a no. All right. I will be willing to meet you on Monday. Okay. For a five-and-a-half-mile run. Okay, great. See you on Monday for a run. So since we're on pause, why don't you tell me who that lady is that I didn't know? Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> First off, it's a man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wrote Hamilton, the musical. Do you know what Hamilton I've the musical is? I've never seen it. Oh, Ruth. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll forgive you. <laughs>